Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm Chuck. This episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Lower Gentry Studios is a film production company that specializes in high quality productions at a low cost. Lower Gentry Studios has an upcoming web series titled Canyon County that you'll be able to see on YouTube this December. Subscribe to their channel to get notifications of new episodes of Canyon County as well as new episodes of this podcast. Today I chat with Autumn Kersey. Autumn is the founder and executive director of Treasure Valley Children's Theater. We cover a ton of subjects. Go online, look them up, treasurevalleychildrenstheater.com. If you have a kiddo that is interested in the arts, she is the person and this is the organization to refer them to. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. We're recording. Okay. Excellent. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Autumn. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Um, So you own Treasure Valley Children's Theater. Well, I am the founder and executive director of Treasure Valley Children's Theater. It's actually sort of technically owned by a board of directors because we're a nonprofit organization. Okay. But I started the company in 2012. 2012? Yes. Right on. And what was the motivation for doing so? Uh, I was approaching 40 and I was looking at my life and taking stock uh, of my skills and abilities and did not want to work for somebody else any longer. And I've always enjoyed working in theater with young people. Mm -hmm. In particular, I grew up doing theater and um, the skills that I learned from that experience uh, set me on my path. And I felt like I had those same skills to share with other young people and um, sat on an airplane ride to I don't even remember where and wrote a business plan. And and uh, so you wrote this on the clock. <laughs> I may <laughs> no. have been on a flight for a business trip. I don't recall, but I don't. I do know that the the business plan just sort of poured out of me, and um, that the next day I went and filed uh, for for licensure with the state of Idaho, and yeah. we were rolling. Dang. Yeah. So it was that fast. Yeah, I mean, I have been toying with this idea of working in children's theater in Idaho. Um, but nothing really existed uh, at the level yeah. that I was hoping to mirror. And it really didn't occur to me until I had spent some years um, at the Idaho Business Review meeting business owners and hearing mm. their stories. It didn't occur to me that I could just start something on my own um, until that airplane trip. And I thought, I love working with young people. Mm-hmm. I know I have the skills to create a business. And if yeah. I don't have those skills, I know people who do, who would be mm. willing to help me. Um, so what am I waiting for? And it was the perfect opportunity to jump in Sweet. and make it happen. Good. Yeah. So that was just, this was your own personal motivation plus discontent. What were you doing before? Well, Am I, I was, to ask I, that? you can, okay. <laughs> something tells me you're going to ask anything you want. I will. Uh, whether I'm or not gonna, I answer is, yeah. is the question. I'm going to ask that and then apologize for asking <laughs> it. And then. No, I loved my job. I was in um, advertising sales by way of fundraising for Planned Parenthood of Idaho by way of leadership development at Boise State University. So I'd had all these weird sort of okay. jobs that gave me great opportunity to meet amazing people and to try things that were really hard and yeah. um, to basically fill my toolbox with business skills. Um, and at the time, I, would, I was about five years in with the Idaho Business Review. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did enjoy my job working yeah. with salespeople and helping them or and 
and business owners and helping them with their marketing. Um, but I, w- I really did want more. Um, I'd also kind of hit that pivotal point in a woman's life when you have to decide if you're going to have a family of your own. Mm-hmm. And my choice was not to have children, but I wanted children to be part of my life. Um, and my master's degree is in education. And oh, wow. I, okay. I, I love our I educators. I love our school teachers, but right I don't want to join that force. Um, okay. That's not where my skills are the best suited. So um, you can't deal with kids for six hours straight. Oh no, I can deal with okay. kids for six hours straight. Yeah. I can deal with you know two hundred kids for six hours straight, nice. and have done that before. Okay, but um, I I prefer the freedom and flexibility of adjusting the learning needs of oh, the individual, yes. and sometimes a school public school environment doesn't allow that. Um, opportunity for a lot of our really gifted educators. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I wouldn't expect not that a do. clue. Not a clue. <laughs> um, no, that's that makes perfect sense yeah. because a lot of times, like public school, um, which I'm a teacher, public school has a uh, a lot of different hoops that you're supposed to jump through. Yeah. Where you know a private sector, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. I've never worked in it, mm-hmm. but I would imagine that might be. A little bit more flexible. Well, and I wanted to use theater as my toolbox to change the world. So Mm -hmm. my my focus is really, you know, involve young people who want to perform in an environment where, first of all, they feel safe and they feel like they can take some risks and that they're going to be rewarded for their mistakes and um, that we don't have to push toward a test or push toward a performance Mm-hmm. Um, and that we have small class sizes. So our philosophy at TVCT is to keep our class sizes under 15. Oh, um, so that that's our, amazing. Yeah, so our educators have an, a real opportunity to connect with young people. They're not okay. just pushing you know, pegs around the floor and saying, you stand here and you do this, but really helping the young people try things that are new and scary to them. And that's hard to do in a room of 30 kids, right, when you're just trying to push through a lesson yeah. plan. Um, Sometimes so, kids get pushed into scary situations just because there are so many of them. It, yes, <laughs> and that's happened too. <laughs> and that's happened too. Now, our performance programs where we work with young people to create a performance for the community mm-hmm. are often much larger groups, but we have them for a, a great deal longer. Um, okay. And we oftentimes will break them up into smaller groups so that we can make sure they get that one-on-one experience with us. Cool. So yeah. what, are, what, is the, what are the nuts and bolts? Of the Treasure Valley Children's Theater, maybe, because I didn't realize, <laughs> yeah. is it in the summer times that you're spending all this time with the kiddos or? or... That's a great question. Yeah. Um, so essentially my elevator speech for Treasure Valley Children's Theater, for anyone who's not familiar with us, okay. is that we do three Do you need things. some music? Some elevator maybe music. I do. A little okay. da, 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 da. I can layer it in, in post-production. <laughs> okay, please do. Um, we do three things. Mm-hmm. We have a professional adult acting company that produces plays for kids to see year okay. round. Um, we are currently in a touring mode. So our adult company is out in the community providing live theater experiences for young audiences. Okay. Not every kid wants to be on stage or take an acting class, but we believe that every kid should have access to live theater regularly. Okay. So you, so these people go around to different schools then yes. kind of? And we then tour they pro- schools oh, and wow. libraries and community okay. spaces. Do you do that all in the Treasure Valley mostly? or Mostly Treasure Valley. We okay. haven't um, stepped outside of that boundary at this point. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Um, the second thing we do is education. We're a year-round education provider and mm-hmm. training provider for kids as young as four, um, all the way up to adult. Okay. Providing beginning acting, improvisation, musical theater, voice lessons, private coaching. Um, and we provide that 
service year round. Summers yeah. are bi big camp times, um, but during the school year, we do a lot of after school programming, including quite a few programs at the schools themselves in the form of an after school drama club. Okay. Yeah. And then the third thing we do, um, which is really our capstone program, um, and the program that this entire foundation was built upon is our leadership through performing arts, where we um, audition young people between the ages of 8 and 18. Mm -hmm. um, it's always very competitive. We select between 40 and 60, depending on the needs of the title of the show that we're producing. Okay. And then they spend about 70 hours with us preparing a performance for the community. But in that rehearsal time, we're also um, instituting some leadership and life skill lessons. Okay. What does that look like? I'm curious about that. Yeah. So we do this activity called the business of theater, like within the first six nice. hours of um, okay. their time with us. And it's really uh, an activity that reinforces the value of um, continuing a mathematics education. A lot of um, students in the oh, arts yeah. think that math doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that math really matters in us, uh, particularly you in eat theater. Yes. Starving artists. Yeah. If you want to, to accomplish your goals in life, mm. you need to know how to balance your body. Um, so we take them through some activities that teach them the importance of um, math, of working together as a team. Uh, we really emphasize how many people it takes to create um, a live theater performance. Mm -hmm. um, just a little anecdote. I went to see a community play last night with a friend, and he doesn't go to theater often, and he's mm -hmm. looking at the, the actors. He's like, oh, there's only five actors in this play. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that must be simple. Right. And then he looks down, and he's like, and there's 25 people behind the scenes. I'm like, that's kind of how it is. Mm -hmm. um, and we want our young people in the arts to understand that, sure, maybe there's, you know, one Jasmine in Aladdin, mm. but there's 15 other people backstage making sure that she's got a costume and a prop and the lights are turned on and the sound is happening. And oh, by the way, those are the jobs that actually pay you in theater. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of our long-term goals is to make sure we have a really um, hefty technical theater training program for young oh, people as well. That's really good. Yeah. It seems like actors can just be thrown to the wayside at any given point in time, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think you can appreciate as someone who produces art in the film world, there's a lot of actors in yeah, in the area. There are. Um, not always a lot of people who want to hold the boom mic or, you know, move no, the chords. There aren't the people that <laughs> want to hold in the, the sound. Yeah, there are some really great people out there that definitely do that, but... Yeah, it's that's a, that's a skill set. People that don't want the limelight, it's harder to find. Yes, those people. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with with the acting, we were. I was actually chatting with Patty um, previously mm -hmm. about about teenagers, and so she created Actors Forum, and one of the needs in community theater she thought were teenagers, mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of interesting. You work with the older kids on learning the business. Yeah, how um, how is your attendance with with teenagers, is it is it lower? It is, okay. yeah, it definitely is. So we have found in the seven years of our existence, mm -hmm. almost seven, um, our really our sweet spot is that eight to fourteen year old range. It's a range mm -hmm. that is underserved in the arts community in terms of just um, opportunity to be on stage, yeah. and to perform. There's plenty of educational experience opportunity, um, but not necessarily performance opportunity. So mm -hmm. we we have 
discovered that the teens, um, that sort of 15 and older crowd, they really just want to perform. And they'd like to perform um, titles that are not geared necessarily toward younger kids. You know, they want to do shows that resonate with their voice and their culture Mm. um, and that challenge them. And we're open to doing those types of shows, but longer story that we may or may not get into our space and our timing is limited so we've we've kind of decided as a company to focus on that 8 to 14 year old group yeah but the teens also have in school programming that they have access to fantastic drama teachers in this community doing great work with their drama programs at their high schools um some of the community theaters have recognized that there's a need to, you know, to select a season that would allow some of our local teens to stretch their legs on their stage. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing a bit more of that. That's good. Um, and then we've decided we've created kind of this assistant role for teens who grew up with us. So many of our um, teen kids who are now 15, 16, 17 will come in during the school year or during the summer and assist in the classroom environment. And we pay them to do that. Oh, cool. Um, so it's a job for them, but they also get to have some opportunity to share what they've learned with the younger you know, generation of kids and hopefully spark their interest in education and in continuing, whether they go on into the arts um, as a performer, understanding the value of giving back you know, to the younger generation, or if they decide to run for political office or raise a family or start a business, whatever they decide to do with their lives, they've gained some skills that um, and some appreciation for the arts that will help them be successful. That's good that you're teaching these kids these things because they don't they don't get it in school. I didn't get it in school. Yeah. Well, and And, I and now with more standards coming through, I think that there's even less of that life education that's happening. Yeah. For a lot of kids, which, uh, you know, I mean, it's got to be correlated with the student loan debt that's happening. Like, it's just nobody understands these things. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that we take the time as a culture working with young people to really help them make that connection, right? Like, oh, yes, you just got to do a play and wasn't that fun and all the memories that you're going to create and the friends that you made. But did you also make a connection to the fact that um, you got a business to underwrite your participation and now you've learned a life skill in terms of sales and how to talk passionately about, you know, what interests you and what's important to you? You also stood in front of 2,000 people and showed them the value and confidence that your art experience has given you as a young person, perhaps transforming their understanding of, of what the arts means to our community. I don't think we take enough time. Even as a company, we try to build some of those moments in where we just stop and reflect and have a conversation with the young people um, because that was what was missing in my arts education was that these adults who are mentoring me taking the time to say, let's talk about what we're really doing. Like, mm-hmm. sure, we just put on Aladdin and wasn't that fun. And oh, we, we did a little bit of studying of that culture and history. But what are we really doing in this time together? What are we really creating? Um, and certainly public school teachers don't have many opportunity to pause the lesson and say, let's Mm -hmm. really dive in for a minute and talk about what we're actually learning, not just what the book is telling us. Um, And we try to do a lot of that at Treasure Valley Children's Theater is take those, I call them um, learning moments, just those, you know, life moments where you stop and you reflect and you think about how you've just been empowered. Yes. And there's so many opportunities to have kids fail safely 
Yes. And a lot of times they don't get that chance. Mm -hmm. And then they get it later on in life. And then they struggle because they don't understand what happened. That is and why so they're not true. the center of the universe almost. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, and I, and I take time in my classroom to make sure that we do reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that always happens. I would imagine that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so many times kids uh, are given just kind of a task list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, now you finish this and what's next? And now you finish this, and then what happens? Okay, well, now you pick a direction. What do you want to do? Do you want to do science? Do you want to do math? Do you want to do the arts? Okay, well, if that's the case, then you do this next, and then you do this next, and then you do this next, and there's not a lot of... And then it's like, okay, I graduated. Well, now it's your responsibility to figure out what's next. What? Nobody's going to tell me what to do next? Ah, you got to figure it out yourself. You know, and and I, I, it's so you cover some of that. We try to. That's and, good. And I, I like what you you know when you talk about oh well you have to pick a path and then there's like this roadmap to getting to the mm-hmm. end of the path. In the arts, everything, every path is going to contribute to your success. So when yes. we have young people who come in who have an interest in music, you know, we want to pull that into what we're doing in the classroom. Or they, you know, we, we often get a lot of um, young people who love Minecraft, which <laughs> admittedly is completely bizarre to me and I don't get it. Okay. But when they... I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of <laughs> Minecraft as a teacher. I don't actually play it, but it's it's really cool. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so, we, you know, when we get those, particularly young men, but occasionally young girls <laughs> will come in with this like passion about Minecraft and they yeah. want to weave it into their improv play. And we celebrate that. Like, Good. you know, there doesn't yeah. have to be one path that you take. Because ultimately, the journey is the best part about all of this living thing anyway, if we would all just stop and sort of embrace the fact that making mistakes is kind of the best part about being a human being, because Mm -hmm. then we get to correct and learn something and become better versions of ourselves, which is really one of our values. We talk about um, we have five core values, and excellence is our fifth, and that is the value of um, waking up every day choosing to be a better version of yourself than you Mm -hmm. were the day before, or even moment to moment, which is a great teaching skill in the classroom when you've got someone who comes in and they've clearly had a bad day and they're just not happy about anything and they didn't Mm -hmm. get the part they wanted. In a small classroom environment, we're able to sort of take a moment with them and say, okay, what, what choices could you make right now to work toward excellence? You know, and is that a choice to accept the role that you received and make it your own? Mm-hmm. And that's a choice that suddenly you've, you've chosen already to become a better version of yourself because you're changing the way you're thinking. Um, or, you know, is it appropriate to, okay, you had kind of a crummy day at school. Somebody called you a name. Can we shake that off by choosing to maybe feel – like they they must have been having a bad day too if they're calling me a name and yes. and again altering the way we think about the situation empathy. and expressing yeah. empathy. Um, so all of that to say that mm. um, we know probably less than two percent of the kids who ever take a program with Treasure Valley Children's Theater will have a career in the arts. Yeah. Um, but that's how we change the world. We want ninety eight point nine two percent of the kids who do something with us 
mm-hmm. 10 to 15 to 20 years from now to suddenly recall a moment where they felt safe, where they felt like they could take a risk, where they felt respected, um, or where they saw us modeling one of those values, where we, they made a commitment to something and they followed it all the way through. Um, these are the values in our world at Treasure Valley Children's Theater that we believe will empower young people to understand their responsibility um, to their community and to other people. And that's what will change the world, one theater kid at a time. There you go. <laughs> I like the value teaching, too. Yeah. Because it, like the examples that you gave with some of the kids that are struggling, mm-hmm. uh, I've worked with struggling kids. I was in mental health for years. Um, and so a lot of times th- those kids get a lot of those lessons because they get to experience failure, they get to experience yeah. discomfort. Um, and then going in and, and working with some of the kiddos um, in the school system that are incredibly intelligent and incredibly, their performance is incredibly high, um, them missing out on the opportunity to see, oppor- to see personal growth and uh, to always be at the top and then experience that shock as soon as they go from elementary school to middle school where there are more kids and then still maybe they're the top of the class and then they go to high school and it's like, that's still only whatever it is, like a thousand in this area, a thousand, right. maybe 1,500, maybe 2,000, some mm-hmm. of the high schools probably. Mm-hmm. And then that's one of, you're the best out of 2,000 people. Right. You know, the Treasure Valley is half a million. Yeah. And so not having that, those lessons brought up to them about like making sure they're analyzing mm-hmm that they're improving somehow every day and learning things that are outside of their comfort yeah. zone, you know, adding Minecraft or whatever into to the arts. If they're a musician, throwing themselves into a different instrument mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So you address those things with all of your students. Yes. So um, the five core values that our company has adopted, um, our teachers use that in their lesson work. Mm-hmm. So um, typically like in a five-day summer camp environment every day they focus on a different value and then they'll take time within the day's activities to to pause and say can we can we ta- take a minute to just look back and think about how we demonstrated respect today or during the shout out at the end of the day, we like to circle up and kind of do a shout out or a debrief what we've learned today or what our favorite part of the day was or what we really felt proud of. Um, and using that moment to say, is there somebody in the circle that you thought really showed commitment today? And can we give them a shout out? Um, again, I think any TVCT student who's done probably more than two or three programs with us can mm-hmm. recite the values because we drill them. And um, they're thinking about them too, hopefully, not yeah. just regurgitating. <laughs> well, <good. laughs> we, we sure hope so, but it's, you know, you just, some Lead of them you read, water. some of them you yeah. don't. That's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, that's true. But it's helpful as a teacher too, because mm-hmm. um, I think it's really easy when you're trying to manage a classroom and and we do get a lot of dramatic kids who mm-hmm. like to be the center what? of attention. I don't know. Um, and and reminding them to practice. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to practice respect right now. Yeah. We're going to um, – because they get practice. They understand rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it suddenly it diffuses the room from you're not being respectful into, hey – Remember that agreement we all made on the first day? Let's just practice that respect thing right now. Um, And I've used that in so many different settings with theater kids and without Mm -hmm. theater kids. And I feel like it just really... Like brings everybody together. Um, this whole idea that we're just we're practicing courage right now. Like mm-hmm. this is scary. It is scary to stand up in front of a group of people and to do a weird human trick, and that's intimidating. And what if they laugh at me? And yeah, well, do you force the kids out of their it. comfort zone? I'm sorry we never. F- no, that's no? a great question. I mean, do you give them 
do you request that they leave it? We ask them to <laughs> to try things that might be a little bit scary for them when they feel safe enough to do that. Okay. Um, but we don't ever force a child to do something. That... <laughs> I got to choose my words carefully. <laughs> yeah, they don't get to eat lunch until they. <laughs> no. Um, actually, it's. I was uh, monitoring um, one of our camps a couple of weeks ago, and a student assistant was leading an activity. Mm -hmm. And he was being a little more heavy-handed than I'm used to seeing um, any of our our teachers or our student assistants mm -hmm. sort of be. And it was like, no, everybody will participate. Everybody is participating. And after three or four times when a couple of kids were like, I'm not doing that, yes. I said, Screw you, buddy. how about we work while watching? And this mm -hmm. is a concept that was introduced to me through um, the Suzuki training through Bo uh, Boise State University and Boise Contemporary Theater. Mm -hmm. This idea that even watching other people work is learning. You are learning. Um, and so it's working while watching. Uh, and I love that concept as yeah. well. Like maybe I did have a really rough day or my back is hurting or, you know, I just am emotional and I want to be in the space with everyone. I yeah. just don't, I'm not ready to get up on my feet and do the activity. So can I sit back and, and observe and watch and then engage when I'm ready to? That's really good. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's yeah. good. It makes sense, though, too. I mean, they've even uh, they've done studies. They just found out that bees, honeybees, mm -hmm. are capable. Did you read that one? No, I haven't. Honeybees, uh, honeybees can learn and improvise via watching another honeybee like complete a task. So they like gave it like they respond to like uh, nectar or sugar or whatever. Yeah. And so they had uh, sugar released when the honeybee figured out to put like this little this little ball into like a a, a release valve to like get like honey up. And so after they bounce around the container, one of them does it. And then, uh, so that first of all, they're trying to figure out like how smart the bee is. And then they have another bee watch the bee do it, throw it in the container, and then that bee will do it like right away. Some, I mean, some of them, I mean, right. not all of them do sure. it, but yeah, that makes like, huh. obviously if a bee can do it, like people Absolutely. We well, can do that too. That's often how job training works, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, you push this button here and you push yeah. that button here. Now you do it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how we, we train people on most jobs. So it, it does make sense to allow artists and students to do some, you know, learning while watching. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I've discovered in those moments, they become such an important, powerful, um, part of observing what happened in the space. Um, when mm. we do some activities, you know, the the audience can watch and and glean information about um, who's really trying to perform in that moment and who is just responding to the stimulus around them. Um, there are moments, depending, and this gets into the weeds a little bit about the technique of acting and directing, but yeah. there are moments when we certainly want the big performance. And then there are moments when we just want them to be natural on stage and to respond to what is mm. happening around them in a way that is very natural, almost like they forget they're being watched. Um, and so it's great. I love using that working while watching technique in those ex activities and exercises. And you might want to force a kid, not force, you might not want to give the kid his food or his lunch or anything like that until that kiddo like decides to watch. I have <laughs> or, never withheld food yeah, from a child. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, but you, that's probably a good suggestion for some of the kiddos. I, there's a couple things that I want to touch on after what you were talking about because um, you, I was actually in a conversation with Patty about fear of speaking versus fear of death. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to talk about that. But first, uh, the idea of 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 watching somebody else perform 
And then the idea of you being uh, very good when it relates to your immediate group of peers. You work with kids that are in school, obviously, and they're in a classroom of about 30 kids in elementary school. And then when they go into high school, they interact with more, but like 30 at a time, you know, they might have more than that in their class. And since you're servicing such a big area, you must get some of those kiddos that think that they're, they're pretty amazing when it comes to those types of skills and the dramatic skills and the class clown and they want to be loud and then maybe they under, do, do some of them get that lesson pretty quickly that maybe they aren't as amazing as they thought they were once they get thrown into a larger group with a lot of people that are similar to themselves? That is a great question. Um, I almost wish we had some of our students here to answer. I have found in, and we always grab, I mean, the kids who are you know, your class clowns and who are loud and who are the first to raise their hand. I mean, they're coming to Treasure Valley Children's Theater uh, for performance experiences because they want to perform. They want to be in front of people. Yeah. Um, and we get quite a few of them. Sometimes we've had classes with 15 of them, you know, and they, and it gets really loud and they're all sort of vying for. But that's where our values become so critical to setting the stage of the room and how we work together. Um, there has been one instance, and I'll share a story that I'm not entirely proud of. I was um, leading a workshop on auditions, mm-hmm. and I had a young lady in the workshop who was just determined to be the loudest and the most talkative um, and, you know, the, sort of the biggest one of the group. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like she was at a place emotionally and with her own confidence that it would be all right for me to sort of call her out a little bit. Okay. I don't know that I would do that again. And yeah. and she is still a student and she is a leader in our, in our organization. And this was about four years ago, but I did okay. kind of call her out and I said, I want to, as a casting director, I want to point out to you that I'm observing your behavior from the moment you walk in the room. So from the moment you walk into my space, I'm looking for things like, are you a team player? Are you someone who can follow direction? Are you someone who can create their own choices or are you modeling based off of the choices of others? Are you someone who can listen? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I did say to her, at this point in time, if I were looking at you for a role, I would not cast you because your behavior has demonstrated to me that you need to be the center of attention and you're being very loud and you're talking over the top of other students, which is a sign to me that you're not ready for the type of serious work that it would take to be in my show. Um, and that kind of shut her down. Mm-hmm. And then I felt pretty bad about it. And we had a one-on-one after and I just said, I didn't you know, that wasn't intended to make you feel bad. It was intended to educate you. Yeah. You really do um, need to monitor, particularly if you're a big personality. We don't want to hide that big personality, but we need to be able to control it. And we need to know when it's appropriate to assert our big personality and when it's appropriate to be a leader and to l- encourage others to assert their personalities. That's a good lesson to give a kid while it's still safe. Yes. And I, I, I think it went over well, but I... I do think back on that experience often and go, gosh, that might have come across as really harsh. Um, mm-hmm. But to come back to something that you said, uh, I have found that young people in theater, particularly in our programs, who are disappointed by the loss of a role that they didn't receive. Um, Get used to that. Right. Yeah. They actually take it really well. That's good. Their parents don't take it as well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Did somebody's dream die at home? <laughs> um, we've had some instances where, you know, p- 
parents have called us. I don't understand. They've mm. worked so hard. They're so talented. Yes, they have worked hard. And yes, they are mm. absolutely talented. They are not right for this particular role. Mm. Um, that's been probably one of the biggest obstacles. The kids, you know, there'll be some shed tears. There'll be a little yeah. bit of frustration. But we spend a lot of time talking about the value of disappointment. Yeah. Um, because that is life. You will be disappointed. You get to decide what you do with that disappointment to turn it into opportunity. Yeah. The failure needs to come in school early on, not yeah. just by grades and things like that, but in the educational yeah. process to where they have the opportunity to give to them again. Yes. To, to learn from it. Yeah. That's good. And then you take a huge chunk of those kiddos that from the Treasure Valley and cream of the crop almost, yeah. I would imagine, and then have them compete with each other, Yeah, give them background training mm -hmm. in case they do find something else um, that they want to do in theater, maybe not in, in, on the stage. How many of the kiddos do you get that are interested in things like like lighting, um, directing? Yeah, more and more. Okay. Um, we've, we've found in the last couple of years oh, quite a few more requests for, I want to work backstage. I want to learn how to stage manage. Um, I'm very mm -hmm. interested in wardrobe or costuming or stage makeup, okay. um, which is exciting to us because we want to be able to provide that level of experience um, for these, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. When I did theater as a child, we were never even offered the opportunity to paint the set. Um, that that wasn't something that we were allowed to do in, huh, in my environment. So it's always been important to me. And I started working with youth in theater back in 2000 um, at Boise Little Theater. I started a program over there um, that's still continuing with the whole idea that the kids would run the show. Like that ultimately it would be facilitated or mentored by adults, yeah. but that they would be the ones designing the set and building the set and creating the costumes. And it would be their show when the curtain went up. Um, and we've gotten very close a few times. That program's in its 19th year. Um, and it's gotten close to being a fully student-driven production. Oh, wow. Um, so we, we've got high hopes that that will happen in the next... I don't know, 10. <laughs> <laughs> now, in, in Treasure Valley Children's Theater, you have, do you have productions that you let kids just? Not yet. Okay. Most we, small ones, I bet. No, not, not maybe quite. not in front, uh, front of, okay. We're piloting a program this fall called Stage Production okay. um, for kids ages, I want to say 10 to 15. And the whole intent of that program is from the very beginning how do we pick the show? How do we plan for the show? How do we build the team that's going to help us produce the show, raise mm. the money, so that they get sort of a Cliff Notes version of how this all comes together, but with their final um, – it's not really a performance. Their final report being that there will be some student-directed scenes from the script that we've selected so that they get a chance to kind of get involved in that piece of it. Um, but our company's in a little bit of a strange spot right now because we're technically homeless. We don't have a building where we oh. can facilitate these programs. So we're in a position where we go out into the community and we try to forge partnerships with churches and other theater organizations oh, okay. and schools um, and use their space to deliver our programming. Yeah. Um, and that model is working for now. And yeah. I don't know that 
even if we are in a building eventually, which we will be, um, I don't know that we will necessarily abandon that model because we reach a lot more kids when we can go into their neighborhoods and offer programming oh, yeah. right by where they live. Um, so I think we'll continue that. But it has limited our ability to provide the level of technical theater um, education and experience that we would like to be able to offer. So that's coming down the road. That takes space. It takes the, the, the tools. The, the, the lights yes. and the micro. if you have microphones and all of those things, sound yeah. boards and all sorts of stuff. It's, yeah. That would be, but it, nonprofit status has to help as far as like being able to get in connections. People don't ask you as many questions as far as like who's. <laughs> well, everybody still wants rent. So. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But. Yeah. There, there aren't a whole lot of uh, sure come and use our building for free opportunities <laughs> out there. Those those nonprofit organizations who've been blessed with that, I hope that they recognize how grateful they are. They should be. <laughs> yeah, they should be, definitely. Uh, so even without any of the, the I mean, with uh, limited, you know, technical practice, you, you guys focus on stage performance, and it sounds like you educate these kids in a lot of background um, as far as the business end, which is huge, I think. I, I, I believe... It's my personal belief before a kid graduates from high school, we shouldn't be concerned about them passing a test on their basic, well, my basic math is good and reading and things like that, but but they should pass a test on on how to manage their money, what a loan payment would be on a vehicle, what, a loan, what, what rent looks like, mm-hmm. what the taxes would be taken out of their income, how much money they need to make on an hourly basis once they leave high school, if they go to college, what those payments are going to look like. Like, it's just, we just throw them out to the wolves, you know? Um, so that's kind of scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the other thing, t- uh, besides th- that is, uh, the kiddos, the kiddos going out into the world and, and people that don't, uh, have the confidence to voice their opinion. And I think that's, that runs deeper. There's, I had to look up the information because I was chatting with Patty and we were talking about the uh, fear of death versus the fear of speaking in public and how more people are afraid of speaking in public than they are of death. Yes. Like that ranks higher. And they've done some polls and things like that. I don't know how scientific it's been, but uh, most people are rank that higher than death itself, mm-hmm. which I think that that bleeds into uh, a lot of people not advocating for themselves when they get out into the world or not not pushing to understand what's going on, like following those directions. Well, I'm going to college. Well, here's your loan. They don't know to ask what the payment's going to be. Right. They don't need, know to ask the, the boss to pay them what they're qualified for, um, you know, and then there might be some suffering because of that financial suffering yeah. that's happened, you know. Um, what What's your take on that with these kiddos? Like, what what do you see in your kids that come out of your program mm-hmm. Versus just, I don't know how many of the, any other kids you get to run into, but you know, subjectively. (laughs) Um, We've, there's been some really wonderful research done by the Americans in the arts in regards to outcomes of young people who are engaged in an arts program Mm -hmm. versus young people who are not. And young people in arts programming are more likely to actually perform better on their SATs. Um, They're more likely to go on to college. Um, They are more likely to be active in their community at some kind of volunteerism level, whether that's Mm. public office or that's sitting on the school board or that's simply running your PTO, whatever that may be. Um, Young people who have engaged in arts education, uh, 
are more likely to be, I, I suppose, if you wanted to qualify, you know, a successful, active, involved adult in their community, they're more likely to do those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed um, at Treasure Valley Children's Theater, our students are, don't seem to have a problem speaking in public. What That's they have good. to see, they do have a problem with, and I think this is a cultural problem across the board, regardless of arts, uh, education, or interest, mm-hmm. is. Um, f- formulating an opinion and then speaking that opinion with articulation, like I'm doing a great job right now, Um, articulating their opinion in a way that they um, feel very strongly, but also um, are open to the possibility that maybe they're wrong. Did they not find the right memes? Are you having a hard time finding the right (laughs) memes for these kids? We need need emojis for them to hold (laughs) up so that they can um, express how they're feeling. This bud word equals bad. Yes. This buzzword equals good. That type of thing. So we spend some time, particularly with our beginning I don't know any adults. I don't know any adults that behave that way at all. (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, once you hit 18, Mm -hmm. you're a perfectly articulate, emotional adult who can... Your opinions are, are formulated via fact and information yes, and everything not just is advised gut reaction or facebook yeah <laughs> uh that to me and my my staff and i we talk an awful lot about how can we work with young people in a way that helps them feel like it's appropriate to voice how i'm feeling thinking um what have you in and yet still be open to the possibility that i'm wrong um, yeah I feel like we are in a moment in time in our culture. And maybe I I hear that phrase often these days with the moment in time. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this moment happened in the 80s too, but I was just too young and naive to get it. Um, Essentially, we're all so afraid to say what we think. And I don't think it's because we're afraid that someone's going to disagree with us. I think it's because we're afraid we might be wrong. I I don't know. That's a – that's – that's a good point. If you figure out a way to, to teach these kids to think critically, you yeah. got to let me know. Because okay. that's going to like, I'll throw out all, no, I can't say I'll throw out all the state lesson plans. But, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> but uh, I would definitely give that a huge priority. Um, I, I agree with you that we're at this, we're kind of at a, uh, we're, at a we're at a change in, in the way that we interact as social beings. Yes. Because our sphere has grown enormously since the advent of the internet. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember chatting with people like online, just random people, like, you know, in like the nineties over the telephone connection. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You know, but you still only would chat, you'd find like random people. I don't know if you ever did that where you would go did. on like ICQ. I, I was a computer nerd, nerd huge <laughs> computer nerd. So uh, ICQ was a chat program. Like, I don't remember how long ago this was. And you could just, you could find random chat partners, you know, but you still only had a list of like, cause you'd have to message back and forth directly. Sure. There was no way to, to post to like a giant forum that everybody would look at. I mean, they had those websites and stuff like that, but it was just kind of like a one-off specific, like if you went to this website then, and then everything started to, to change um, with MySpace and with, with Facebook. And, and then these echo chambers started to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the, the fighting and, and, the, and the immediate reinforcement and taking your friend's opinions and, making that seem like an expert opinion or getting a faux expert opinion that your friend forwarded and then like using that to reinforce your own belief. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's just so much information out there right now that nobody needs to think about 
what's being presented to them. Yeah. Because we just, it's just ones and zeros on and off. We're just kind of like, well, that's right. That's right. That's right. It must be. Well, and I don't know that we're teaching people to be critical of that information, particularly young people to... Well, Trump um, does, you know, because he's just like, yeah, it's fake news. It's all fake news. <laughs> yeah, except for the um, real news. That's yeah. not binary in any way. <laughs> but but that leads to the sort of this idea of sort of cultural apathy, right? Like, mm. well, it's all fake news anyway, and I just don't have the time or the interest to sort of figure out what the real truth is. So I'm just not going to care anymore. So I'm just going to say what I think is right, or I'm not going to say mm. anything at all because I'm afraid I'm going to be wrong. And it this is perpetual nightmare like we'll never change the world if we continue down this communication path Mm. of ignorance yeah so we haven't figured out i certainly don't want to tout treasure valley children's theater as like the answer to all the the world's (laughs) well you did say you were going to change the world we want to change the world your ultimate goal (laughs) yes (laughs) my personal life goal is to somehow change the world cool um i'll wait i'll wait for the shift in gravity or orbit i'll be able to feel that when it happens right (laughs) And then you'll just be like, wouldn't that be great? Done. Gosh, that would be pretty nice. Nice. And I'd retire and like move to, I don't know, someplace <laughs> sunny with a beach. <laughs> uh, but I do think it, it comes back to that point of how do we work with young people? Because, mm-hmm. you know, not to put the entire responsibility on their shoulders because they can only be the best versions of the mentors that, you know, they're modeling their own lives off of. Yes. Um, so it's my responsibility and the responsibility of our team to not just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk and we have to own it when we make a mistake. And there have been plenty of times when mm-hmm. I've made mistakes and I've stood in front of my students and said, I really messed up and I want to talk about how I messed up and why I don't want to do that again. Um because not enough adults in my childhood told me when they made mistakes, right? I thought that miracle idea, like, oh, suddenly you turn 18 and you're supposed to have all the answers or suddenly yeah. you, you graduate college and you're supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't want the young people that I work with to feel lost or alone because they don't have the answers. It, they should feel empowered to find the answers or to talk to the mentors that, you know, they've worked with their whole lives to say, I'm confused about this and I don't know what to do. Um, and then the mentors should be brave enough to say, I'm kind of confused about that too. Let's work on this together. Yeah. I I like that modeling. I mean, you're right about that, I yeah. think, like as far as just making sure that kiddos experience a healthy way of interaction mm-hmm. because everything is just magnified now with as many people that they are they have the ability to interact with on a daily basis just with social media. Yeah. It's 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 nuts. Um, I was going to say, I, I do have hope. Uh, I see... It seems like kids, like like even eight, nine, ten year olds right now, just seem they seem oddly mature to me. I don't know if you get that at all. I mean, maybe not with like their actions and their behaviors, but but there a lot of like certain ones have like a a wider range of vocabulary that I get like a little bit thrown aback by. Um, and I'm like, I, I ask myself, you're how old? Yeah, you know, and, and it's it has to be the 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 benefit that's kind of like spiking up in certain groups of kids that do have access to all of this and that are using it in a healthy way. You know, I think our brains are, are, uh, obviously like kids develop and they are able to handle, handle more at a younger age than, you know, you look at somebody that's 25, that's trying to learn how to speak a second language, but you throw three languages at a, at a one-year-old, they're going to come out at the age of five babbling in all three of them, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like my hope is, 
just we haven't in 2008 when everybody got a smartphone like the adults in the world just didn't have the capability to cope with it and right now we're like the last like 10 years we're kind of going through this slow painful process of realizing that once everybody had access to all this and all the social communication that we didn't have any access to before at our fingertips and we're addicted to it and we can't drive correctly any longer because we're so concerned about what's on our phone like right. like i i'm hoping that this next generation of kids since they're growing up with it you know uh they'll they won't see it as such a as an as such a novelty hopefully mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i don't know what what is it like for Gosh. for you with the kiddos in the social on the social media how much how often do you deal with that versus the adults in your life <laughs> you know because obviously yeah. you get to know some of these kids i mm -hmm. i do i work with the, the younger ones though so i don't see um not all of them have access to the phones but yeah. the teenagers i would imagine they they do yeah we always hear the stories about the ones that that commit suicide but the news loves just like the worst news ever they like terrible things yeah they just want to talk about the bad stuff yeah, it right? sells advertising right well yeah. i think good stuff could sell advertising too um mm -hmm. i have hope yeah. so I, I will definitely answer that question. I okay. want to kind of jump back to this idea that these sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids are coming in and they just their vocabulary is so much better and they're mm -hmm. reading chapter books and all of this sort of thing. Um, I, I believed and I really can only form this notion based off of my own personal experiences. But mm -hmm. when I grew up, I didn't have access to multiple types of summer camp experiences. I mean, it was like church camp and Bible camp and maybe a theater camp if yeah. you're lucky. Um, Mine was the weird one where everybody disappeared for a long time and then they all came back wearing the same t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. Had a, it had a cross on the back and yes. they all had like something that they weren't supposed to talk about. It wasn't a Catholic one. Okay. So okay. I wasn't like, it was super worried about it. But as I got older, I found out that they were all like hugging trees and then they they uh, kept them closed up in a gym and they blocked out the windows and they didn't, they controlled when they were sleeping. They took all the clocks out. Is this a plot for a movie you're writing? <laughs> no, this is an honest to God, like camp that they used to, that they used to have. This is in mm, South Dakota. Okay. So they were pretty, They, you know, they took these kids in. Anyway, <laughs> so I didn't go to camps. I think Thank your listeners really want parents. to hear more yeah. <laughs> about this crazy camp. I, I feel like there's a good movie plot in there. Teens, teens Encounter yeah. Christ is what it was called. Okay. Yeah, Teens Encounter Christ. I don't know if they're still around, um, but it was in South Dakota. Wow. And they would, uh, I found out from one of my friends after we were adults, because they weren't allowed to talk about it. They would just, they would just come to school, all work, sporting the same clothes. Huh. And then, uh, and they're like, we're not supposed to say what happens. You need to come find out. And then I found out that they like sleep, they would sleep to deprive all these, these kids. And then they'd have a, like a religious moment mm -hmm. after like hours of sleep deprivation. And then, so they would all just be like crying and like emotional. And then they'd like, they'd throw some, some, uh, biblical quotes and some, some God and stuff in there. And then they'd send them all back to school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty legitimate. Well, I mean, <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, sleep deprivation. I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's good. <laughs> um, but I do think that young people uh, today are and and uh, and their parents are savvy and they're getting their kids involved in lots of different types of activities. I mean, one of our biggest frustrations in producing theater is these kids have schedules that are like they need an assistant to keep track of their schedule. Oh my gosh. Um, They've, you know, if it isn't violin and dance. Is that the, mat is that the maturity level and, that, you're, that we're well, seeing? Well, they're I'm, just, yeah, they're, I mean, they're just wow. little CEOs running their activities life and then going Dang. to school. Um, 
I think I, I see a lot more of that from kids who are coming from um, relatively middle upper middle class homes. You okay. know, they're and they're reading lots and lots of books, and they're mm-hmm. um, learning other languages, and they're going to special schools and all of that fun stuff. Um, but in terms of smart devices, we kind of have a no smart device policy at Treasure Valley Children's Theater. That's Our good. older kids will bring them in and we, you know, have them put them away for class time and on break they can take them out and look at them. But class time, rehearsal time, there's no smart devices. And we hold that same rule for our staff. Um, when we do our, you know, staff training, we say, you know, the when the kid walks into the room, they're the most important person in the room. So your yeah. phone needs to not be in your hand. You know, it's okay if it's out to keep t- track of time, that sort of thing. Yeah. I have my phone out often to like video or take, you know, pictures or post mm-hmm. on social media. But I let the kids know, hey, I'm taking video right now or I'm posting right now um, to let the world know about our process. Um, but, yeah, we, we we don't seem to have a whole lot of problem with phones. We've had a few kids come through who are more interested in playing video games on their devices than they are mm-hmm. in engaging in class. Um, and we we typically kind of do a one, two, three, okay, three times we bring mom in or dad in and talk about, is this the right fit for you? Because um, th- we would like them to engage. And the, the whole working while watching method doesn't work if you're watching your video game (laughs) like going to bed with your biology book under your pillow hoping you'll wake up with something good yeah it's not 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 super helpful still gotta study still need to study yes so you don't run into a lot of issues with the kids on the on the social media or anybody complaining or bringing that kind of drama into not yet i've been told by um some of our older kids that you know during certain productions snapchat will kind of blow up a little bit and Mm -hmm. uh we do try very hard to reinforce the no tolerance policy around bullying and tearing people down. Yeah. Um, but our approach to that isn't we don't bully and we love each other. It's we know where we know why people bully. They bully because there's something wrong in their life and they're trying to deflect and they're trying to build themselves up by tearing somebody else down, which never actually works. It's just what they're doing because they think it might work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in instances where we have had bullying, um, because every organization experiences it when you're working with kids and sometimes adults, sadly, um, we try to be really honest and talk about where that where those emotions are coming from and how we can manage them as a group. Um, do we need to let somebody go or, you know, can they adjust their behavior and work toward excellence mm-hmm. and being a better version of themselves? Um, and and so we haven't fortunately been in a situation where we've had to dismiss a young person because they've made a choice to be unsupportive. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It's it's really I, – I like your ex- explanation because I use the same – the same one when I'm working with, with, with people in general. Um, and, uh, I, I read a study recently about rats. And so like kids will get this stuff, like even 10 year olds, it's kind of amazing. Cause they'll, they'll ask questions. They'll get engaged, especially when you're talking about something. Um, the, 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 the bullying I think is from what I see in, in, in the community that I work in, I don't see it as much as like when I was a kid, you know, like, cause there used to be all sorts of crazy stuff going on, you know, but there wasn't any supervision really yeah. to speak of, you know, um, there was, but like, you know, that was after the, the night lights went or when the lights came on in the streets, then yeah. we would come home. Um, but, uh, you, they understand, they understand, uh, 
if you explain it to them that way, they understand very complicated concepts like that. Like, you know, it's like an empathetic thing, yeah. like something bad's going on. You should feel bad for this person. And uh, so anyway, so with the rats, um, the rats will will uh, will lash out on a weaker rat, a stronger rat. If you uh, like prod it and give it pain, it'll lash out on a weaker rat and it will uh, release either endorphins or like lower their cortisol level uh-huh. and to where they're like their brain is reinforced for like being physically violent against a, a, a smaller adversary after they have experienced pain and suffering. So it's like even like these these yeah. lower beings will just just crank that out. And so like I I like to explain that to kids because they they get that stuff. Like they understand like and I'm like what are we? Are we rats or are we people? What makes us better than the animals? Yeah. We need to make sure that we are thinking about what we're doing. I think that kind of bleeds into the That's fantastic. I'm using that analogy. You like to you, read the most take, interesting reports. Yeah. <laughs> and listen and just just listen to to science uh, and watch documentaries and things like that. Uh-huh, but uh, uh-huh. it's uh, psychology is my background. Yeah. And so I love this stuff. I got a degree in psychology and never used it in the field per se, but I guess living with you, people. You can't be a school <laughs> teacher and not use psychology. That's true. <laughs> like even if you have no experience in psychology, you're probably dabbling in exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I would argue that sales Salespeople yes. are the best amateur psychologists I have ever met. Um, I was in car sales for a year, and so I ran into some extremely interesting people, and they knew how to interact with human beings better than anybody. Wow. Um, actually, actually, military recruiters, I think, are the cream of the crop. Okay. I would just about bet. <laughs> Because I we would we would get uh, we were down the road. I was in uh, I was in Redding, California, and uh, we were down the road from a military recruiting uh, facility at this car lot that sold like brand new Chevy trucks. Which in Redding, California, like a lot of people buy trucks. It's kind of an extension of Idaho, you know. Even though it's in California, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> okay, yes. And so uh, uh, we would get we would get these these military guys that were coming in and retiring because they did their 20 years or whatever. And, and every single car salesman would doubt their ability because they came from military recruiting. And it, and every time somebody new came in they would just like wipe the floor with everyone else. And that was, that was like fresh sales, you know, like they, they were green. They didn't have like business people, like previous customers and families to turn on, turn to like, they were just grabbing people walking on the lot and selling them new trucks. Yeah. So that those people, I think, also are very good at psychology, <laughs> not just people that work with children. <laughs> the trial and error aspect, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, so so <laughs> back to Treasure Valley Children's Theater. We should probably stay on that subject. Um, <laughs> well, this is fascinating. Yeah. What What about? Uh, uh, so you said you do offer programs for adults. We do. Wh- who sh- Who should? show interest in coming to Treasure Valley Children's Theater and participating in your programs? That That's a great question. Sounds um, like everybody. Well, but no, not necessarily okay. everybody. Um, there's a lot of theater opportunity in this valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of exploded in the last 20 years how many um, theater organizations are cropping up, and I feel like there's a new one every other month, which is really exciting for arts in our 
community. So I think if there's someone who has some training and some experience and they're looking, you know, just for a place to stretch their legs on the stage, there's Mm. a ton of opportunity. Okay. Our opportunity for adult actors um, is limited to our professional acting company, which is by audition um, once a year. And we select a company for our season. Mm -hmm. um, And those are paid positions. Cool. and we do tend to look for folks who have some experience in working with interactive theater that's appropriate for young audiences, but mm-hmm. that isn't always the case. Um, but we love new talent, and we hold those auditions in January if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, I want to give that a shot. Um And then this acting class, we launched it last fall. Um, Michael Cronin, who's been a member of our company since 2012, he's an incredibly gifted actor and educator, um, very, very well trained. Uh, He developed a a program called Actors Toolbox, and it's really designed for anyone, whether they've taken an acting class or they're just someone who's always wanted to do that and check it off their bucket list. Um, Or there's someone who was professionally working in the community um, and just wants to tune up. Mm-hmm. And um, he's an incredibly patient, gifted educator who, um, in his own toolbox, has pretty much every method that uh, is taught in the college environment um, and even beyond. And he introduces all of those methods in this. I think it's a six or eight week program. Yeah. And um, and it's ages sixteen and up. So that's another area where we um, are trying to kind of reengage some of our teens. Okay. Um, who if they're not busy with school programming or doing something within the community theater environment, um, they can at least stay tuned up on their training and get ready for their college um, auditions. Cool. And and then what about parents that are concerned that are looking for opportunities for their kids? Who, who, who should contact you? Yeah. I mean, what, what parents, of... we get a lot of grandparents too. Um, okay. Grandparent, we love our grandmas and grandpas. Mm-hmm. Um Parents, uh, as we start them as young as four, and okay. wow, um, yeah, we. What have, do you teach a four-year-old? <laughs> with this really fun program called Creative Dramatics and Theater Play. Okay, um, it's a six-week program, and every week we um, we've taken a story like the Goldilocks and the Three Bears, mm-hmm. and one week we tell it with puppets, and the next week we tell it through musical instruments, and then mm. the next week we tell it based on um, we create the set for it, and then we create the costumes for it. So every week we sort of layer on this idea around the single story and on the last week they perform for their family um it's a 45 minute quick once a week kind of class um, for that age group um but it gets their um gets them socializing with other four and five year olds it gets them using their imagination in sort of a more directed kind of way versus just creating stories on their own which Mm -hmm. they're fabulous at doing and if you're you know feeling like the well is dry for your next movie script come hang out with some four and five year olds because they got (laughs) ideas um (laughs) And, and it's just, it's a really fun class. So we, we offer that program through Meridian Parks and Recreation right now. And, um, and then, uh, we started with beginning acting. We've intro to improv, improvisation, I mean, classes, um, year round. And uh, I think for a parent who's just like, okay, that sounds great, but overwhelming. And I wouldn't know where to put my kid. Mm -hmm. That's when you just give us a call. And we, our education director, Allison is incredible at assessing the needs of a young person and making sure they get placed in the right program um, that will build their confidence and ignite their imagination. Um, And oftentimes, you know, a kid will jump into a beginning acting class with us and they have a great experience and they just realize that that's not really something they want to continue to do. Um, And we assess that, you know, after um, every class, we try to assess and gauge where kids are and help parents understand, okay, if you've got a kiddo who's ready 
who wants to do something else than like let's help place them? Is it improv? Is it musical theater? Um, mm. Is it stage combat? Um, or if it's just they had fun, they made some friends, but they really just want to play Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Let us be honest about that too yeah. so that you're not um, – So you must get some parents that want their child to be the next star of – Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that's a completely realistic and delightful dream to have for your young person because, you know, everybody's child is the most gifted and the most talented. And I don't say that tongue in cheek. Like, I really get that. Like, that is your flesh and blood. That is Mm -hmm. the child that you've invested your life in. And so why wouldn't you see the best for their future? Yeah. Um, And our job is to make sure they have a great experience with us, whether it's in the classroom or in a play. Um, but a realistic experience that provides them with some skills that will help them cope with disappointment mm-hmm. um, and to be um, gracious and honorable when they're given opportunity. That's good. You probably go over with them then how much time they spend not on stage in front of people. Yes. The iceberg. It's like an ever like growing iceberg. It's yeah. 10% of the people are on stage. 90% are behind the scenes. Yeah. And then that 10% that you see, 90% of it was just practice. Yeah. That's that's good. Yeah. And that is the hard part, I think, when we spend so much time with these kids, we get to see them from day one mm-hmm. and their awkwardness and their shyness and they can't talk above a whisper. Um, and then to, you know, day 12 where they're big and they're selling their song and sure, they skipped a line or they, you know, broke character or what have you. Um but we're just so proud. Like, it's just hard not to get sort of a little bit teary when you get to watch the progression of that young mm. person. Um, and the audience doesn't get to see that, which is really too bad. Um, I often think if if I thought it was interesting enough, I'd, like, hire a documentary team to, like, follow us through that kind of experience just to see how these kids change um, because it's it's hard to explain to people. Um, and we try to explain it to funders, you know, when we are writing grant applications or we're meeting mm-hmm. with donors, just how different a young person can be from an eight-week program or a five-week camp. And we gather testimony and we get that kind of information from from families, but it just never feels like it's powerful enough to really help um, describe the transformative power of a really great um, positive art theater arts experience and we're trying to provide that and it's especially if you bring that to the young kids yeah i mean 12 eight eight sessions eight days eight is that like once a week yeah once a week over most of our programs run 12 weeks so they they get 12 sessions with us or 15 Mm. hours worth of um of education and training time and then there's always a performance on the last day so they Mm. get to showcase what they've learned and uh for moms and dads and aunts and uncles and Imagine what that would look like if you gave 15 hours of training to somebody over the age of 30 Yeah, that was shy. I doubt that they would be belting. <laughs> you know, they might. That but sounds like a challenge. Yeah. I might have to try that. <laughs> I, I dare you to. I bet the success rate with the kids is way higher. I mean, if you catch them young, they learn so much more quickly. It's just like, I mean, that's what I've noticed. And then sometimes if they're older, I mean, I would just about bet. Yeah. If you got somebody that was that was shy that's really over the introverted. age of, yeah over the age of 30 and they wanted to overcome that you know that takes well i think though I if they want that deal to with that, <laughs> you know yeah no that's fair but as long yeah. as they've told themselves that they mm. want to do that that's true i think that they are likely to be there mm. will be measures of success yeah um absolutely but it has to be a choice if the they're getting pushed yeah. into it and we see that with kids too i mean mm. we've had very few well you haven't tried withholding their lunch 
I'm no. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Okay. But we, I mean, we've worked with kids who just didn't want to be there, and it's painful for everybody involved. And mm-hmm. typically by, you know, class three, we pull mom and dad in and say, they just don't want to be here. Can we give you your money back? <laughs> it's not fun for me either to try yeah. and force your per- your young person mm-hmm. um, to be here. And they're exuding negative energy into our creative space that we're trying to create a safe, comfortable environment for kids to take risks. Um, yeah. But that doesn't happen often. It really doesn't. We've had quite a few kids on the spectrum, on mm-hmm. the autism spectrum, come through our programming and seen incredible strides like oh cool just like the type of strides that make you um so proud to be an educator and to have the opportunity to work with kids and we learn so much from those kiddos as well um and just we have so much pride and we love blending kids right so Mm -hmm. um in the schools you know you're in second grade you're with all second graders you're in third grade you're with all third graders well we really enjoy the opportunity to take six-year-olds and eight-year-olds and 12-year-olds and blend them all up and and encourage them to work together and particularly when they come from well all of them come from different family backgrounds they have different family value systems um they oftentimes have um different just sort of personality levels. And when we have a kiddo on the spectrum, you know, engaged in that group and when they're willing to talk about it, it just creates this incredible dynamic of support where everybody wants to build each other up and help them Mm -hmm. be successful. And um, I've seen that so many times in our programming. And I'm sure that there are other groups that work with blended ages and backgrounds and youth that have very similar experiences. Um, But again, it's one of those things that happens in our classroom environment or our rehearsal environment that I wish I could find a way to bottle and like show funders like we really are making a difference this is how we change the world by empowering these young people to embrace differences and to be willing to work with people who are different than they are Mm -hmm. um, and to find commonality i think it's i think google or apple like does that in in their development teams i'm pretty sure yeah yeah um i can't remember if it was one of those or micro, you know, one of those the high end tech firms, mm-hmm. they'll throw people instead of having a whole bunch of engineers working on a problem. Obviously, like you, you, you get a team together that then they're forced to work with people in different backgrounds, yeah. and then it forces people to think outside of the box mm-hmm. rather than in their same rut. Yes, and so it sounds like you're doing that with kids. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you just need to tell them that these giant businesses are doing it already. Right. So. <laughs> Well, I know that works. I know that there are business schools yeah. that are requiring their MBAs to take improvisation classes. So. Well, they should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Got to be able to speak to a crowd, right. think on your feet. So, Can't yeah. just be all the accounting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cool. So how do people get in touch with you about uh, uh, the Children's Theater? Great question. We yeah. are, I believe, as of yesterday, we're still number one on Google. So if you just type in Children's Theater Meridian or Children's Theater Boise or Children's Theater Treasure oh, cool. Valley, you'll find us. Tre- but the website is treasurevalleychildrenstheater.com. Okay. We do spell theater the American way, so there's okay. an E-R on the end. Got um, it. Uh, we can be reached at uh, 208-287-TVCT, okay. Treasure Valley Children's Theater. Uh, that's 8828. Um, and for those of you who don't have, like, letters on your phone, you're still yeah. rotary phoning now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Might be a couple. Yeah, a few. And um, we're currently um, officing out of the New Ventures Lab, which is in downtown Meridian. 
Um, it used to be Meridian City Hall, mm-hmm. and they've converted it to a business incubator space um, where there's a lot of different types of businesses in that building. Um, they're very patient with us because we can be a bit disruptive. Um, but the that's been our, our temporary home since last June, and um, we're hopeful that that will remain our temporary home until we have a building announcement, which we hope to have before the end of this year. Cool. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thanks for all you do for the Treasure Valley and with Thank the kids. You. Thanks. And uh, thanks for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> all right. Take it easy. Yeah.